ahead just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, may that not only be from our lips, but may it be from the depths of our heart. Lord, I believe. And may today the Holy Spirit give us another baptism. May our, may our, our earnestness and the best that we have to give to God be brought forward today. We see this great nation of ours breaking to pieces. Sin is creeping in on every hand. But all in the midst of all of this, as our brother taught the other night in the message out of thy word, that also the church is blooming out at the same time. Now, God, we're happy to be on that side. Help us today now. Bless the congregation of people. Bless this people everywhere. And God, on the highways, we think of so many accidents and things going on, many being killed and things. God, be merciful. I pray that you'll stay the hand of death on many people today, especially thy people everywhere, Lord. And may sinners, something happen that'll bring them to reconciliation with God. Grant it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, friends. Very happy to be here this evening and to, or this afternoon, rather, down in the Kentucky this is evening, you know. And I can't never get used to having dinner at supper time. I, I, I feel like I've lost a meal somewhere. It's always this breakfast and dinner and supper. And they try to tell me my dinner now is over at 6 o'clock. Now, when am I going to eat supper is what I want to know. Someone said, oh, Brother Brown, that's, you just don't have it right. I said, oh, yes, we do, too. The Lord, wasn't the Lord, he taking his supper. It was called supper. Was that right? Okay. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Brother Jose just told me that they lifted a, uh, taking a missionary offering this afternoon. Well, I certainly appreciate that. There's one thing that you can't go wrong in is giving to missionaries uh, uh, for a missionary. And I certainly appreciate that from the depth of my heart. Is Mr. Joe Carroll, uh, Joseph Carroll of Sydney, Australia, is he in the audience this afternoon? I've seen him last night. And if he would, if he would just raise up his hand somewhere. Joe Carroll of Sydney, Australia. Uh, are you here, Brother Carroll? Stand up. I want you to meet the manager, Mr. Baxter, over in the left wing just now, if, he, if he's here. I don't know. He was in the meeting last night. He's a very personal friend of mine. I suppose maybe he's not in the afternoon meeting. Um, now, uh, Back to the, the, the missionary offering, we are greatly appreciative of that. We know that when you're doing missionary work, you're doing exactly what the Lord said. Is that right? Or he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's the general orders of Jesus Christ. And we know then that, that that's right. We can't go wrong when we're ta- doing missionary work. And now uh, to ourselves. Now, that's what I do with all my, all the money that I get a hold of outside of what I have to eat, and maybe sometime I see a little something that must be done, some poor woman without coal or something. I, I don't take it out of missionary, I take it out of my own, because that's God's money, missionary is, and them things. I think of tithings and such as that, we should be very strict of what we do with that, because that's, that's God's money. And uh, as soon as we get enough together to go overseas, and away we go. Used to be back when there was lots of money, well, we would go in a, in a city, we'd take offerings maybe for two nights, be there maybe seven or eight nights, two nights we had enough to pay all the expense, so we didn't take any more offerings, and so we just let it go. And um, then maybe on the last night we'd have a, a love offering, and, and if we happened to have some surplus left over, 
we would give it to different organizations and such as charities and things like that. We wouldn't get out of the town to they'd be calling us holy rollers and divine healers and I give it to a certain organization, a group of money one time to turn it over to them. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars that was taken up in a great meeting I was in. And here was a representative coming down the street driving a Cadillac car, a diamond stud ring on probably cost maybe a thousand dollars or more, smoking a great big cigar like that, getting about five hundred dollars a week for distributing the money. That's not right. No, sir. These people, and I thought, God, then I, uh, you, it's just strange. We, we Christian people are not organized like we ought to be. I mean, in a brotherhood. I walked into a restaurant here in your city the other night and got the worst ball out I ever got in my life because the people of this church was coming eating in that restaurant. That's right. Yes, sir. God said, we don't want them in here. I said, well, sir, I, he said, what, what kind of a group are you anyhow? And I said, well, we're Christians. He said, you never even told me nothing about you coming. How do I know you were coming around here? He said, look like you ought to have some system to that. I said, well, we're not going around over town telling restaurants what to do. I said, the people just come in, sir, and they, they, they want to eat. He said, well. He didn't care from coming in there at all. Well, of course, I, I, I said, I you must have plenty of business. <laughs> well, it's just too bad. Well, we just have to put up with our days coming. That's right, our day. This, this is the day of man. The day of the Lord will come. That's right. That's from, I stood one time to watch the late President Roosevelt when he came into the little city of ours in New Albany, Indiana. I was working out there on high lines as a lineman. I came down and I thought, well, they told us we could go down and hear him and go make a just little whistle stop like when he came through the city and he, oh, how everybody gathered out. Well, time us workmen got there, well, I had to get on top of a shed way back up here to even see the man walk out. I thought, well, I, that's all right. You see, everything was fine. I thought, you know what? Just the officials of the town and so forth was up there close to the back of the train where they could see the president and talk to him. I thought, but you know, when Jesus comes, I'll be one of the officials. This he said, and so I thought, that'll be wonderful when we see Jesus. And recently, Mr. Baxter here, he's, uh, he's uh, strictly, uh, uh, he's gone now, I suppose, so I'll talk about him. <laughs> he's a real, got that British dignity, you know, and so... Uh, when the king, the late king, the one I prayed for, it was healed with multiple cirrhosis, uh, thrombo cirrhosis, rather. And when he was in Canada, coming down, the, when uh, Brother Baxter's a Canadian, you know, and coming down the street, the king in the parade, he was in his queen there, you know, in her beautiful dress on how that, that Brother Baxter stood there, and when he was standing attention when the king was passing like that, and noticed the tears just running off his cheeks like that, just as fast as he could. Why? His king was passing. I thought, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Someday our king's going to pass by, too. You talk about a time. We're going to have it then. Yes, sir. I want to be right along by his side, don't you? And remember, it's his bride with him. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, the Lord bless you and thanks to you a million times for the, all the kindness. The little, I wouldn't have kindness to speak out because many of you sent little gifts and to us and things by my boy and my brother Baxter and brother Bose. A little boxes of cookies and so forth, and a little basket of peaches and even some tomatoes. I just eat as much as I could. <laughs> just having a wonderful... And you know what? In the depths of my heart, it just makes me feel so good. I just appreciate that. It certainly does. And a little girl sent the... A little girl that was blind had just got sight in her eye here at the tabernacle. And she made a... a must have been a 
a little picture about like that and gave it to me. Well, as long as I can take care of it, I'll have it. That's right. And I always remember those things. And going sometimes when I get real tired, I go down in my den room, a place down in the basement, because we usually had the house full of people all the time, just coming and going, you know. So I get down there for a little while, and I get real melancholy sometimes. I sit and I look. Yes, I remember that poor old Swede to give me that. I remember that Norwegian to give me that, you see. Remember that little girl and that little boy, and this woman had that baby that was healed. Oh, my. <laughs> and, oh, my, I'm ready to go back up and start praising the sick again. <laughs> you just, I believe you take new courage, don't you think so? And just little things like that. Way in Africa, a little old stick, a guy's packed his hand about that long. He gave it to me. I got it. I kept it. Brought it over home. A little stick, uh, kind of a little knob killy or something other they call it. And um, he packed it in his hand, but it was all and down in Japan. A little pair of shoes about like a little... I couldn't get my toe in them. <laughs> a little, little bitty thing, but just uh, knives and uh, just things like that someone give you, you know. Or it's, it's a treasure to my heart because it represents the, the heart of somebody else, you know. And many times when we take pictures in the meeting, when I go back up into the mountains alone by myself, well, then I, I go back up there and pray. And while I'm up there, I take sometimes these pictures with me, pray for the different ones in the meeting. So all these things, God's just got children all over the world. And you know, the, the bad part of this is all about, when I come in, I say, oh, I look at this fellow, I see he's been coming a lot to the church, and I meet this man here. And then first thing you know, I have to say, well, goodbye, I, I hope to see you again. And then when we start to leave, it just looks like, I just got stayed here long enough that it looks like I just got used to, to these people here in Chicago, and now if I have to leave, well, it looks like leaving home again. But one of these days, one of these days we're going to meet where we'll never part again. That's right. We're going to meet where we'll never stay goodbye and never part again. I remember the last time on my little boy back there on his mother, when I was standing by her side. The angels of God take her away. Uh, the last time that I kissed her, I said, she said, Bill, I'll be standing at the east side of the gate. I said, when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of them is coming in, I said, just start screaming my name. I'll find you. I said, I'll get the children together, and we'll get there. Well, I made appointments like that across the world with people. I, I want to live right, that when that day comes, why, I know there's a great dark chamber sitting down in front of me like there is isn't everyone else. Every time your heart beats, you're one beat closer to that chamber. It's called death. And every one of us is headed that way. But I want to say to St. Paul of old, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. That when he calls from, when he calls my name, I want to be called out from among the dead to live with him forever and with all these people. Now, <clears throat> I didn't know I was going to speak this afternoon. Brother Baxter just called me a while ago and said, Brother Branham, he we want you to come over and speak a while this afternoon. I said, oh my, didn't they get enough of that the other day? <laughs> now, I was thinking of something here that I was going to speak of back in Moses. Of, but I would, uh, how many think that uh, back where in Moses where God said to him, what's that in your hand? See, he said, it's a stick. And God used him. But I believe now, sitting and looking at this crowd, the Holy Spirit seems to me to turn over here to another place just now, and we'll just read just a little bit out of St. John. And you pray for me, and I want to just talk to you a short time. I know you're sitting here, and it's your vacation time, and you're sacrificing your times of being out somewhere else to come in church. That shows where your heart is. Yes. That's right. That shows what, you're, what you are. So 
Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, now we commit all things to you, this lovely group of people sitting in here this afternoon. We're here, they're, they're white, colored, yellow, brown, all different nationalities of Irish, Jew, Mexican, and Anglo-Saxon, everything. We're all here together, grouped together, all filled with the Spirit, waiting for the consolation of the Church, the second coming of Jesus Christ. It might happen today. What a glorious hour for it to take place. And Father, I, I pray that our hearts will be moved as we think of that. For you said when the signs that we see appearing now, to lift up our heads, our redemption is drawing nigh. And I just pray, God, that you will bless. Bless the church, Brother Bose, his, the Philadelphian church that's sponsoring the meeting here. God, we pray that you will give them the exceedingly abundantly. And bless this tabernacle, Lord, this uh, great place here where many of your servants that's under your altar today, they're with you, as preaching this same pulpit. That wonderful, great evangelist Billy Sunday and Paul Rader and many of the others who's done crossed over the Jordan. Father, we pray that you'll send the power that was up on them, that brought conviction to the sinner, send him this afternoon. The same Holy Spirit still lives and reigns, watching over the work. I, the Lord, have planted it. I'll water it day and night, lest some should pluck it from my hand. Grant it, Father. Bless the pastor here. Bless all the elders, the, the deacons, and whatever. Bless them together in the laity. Bless them. Forgive us of our sins, and bless every church that's represented, every organization and body. For we're not divided. We're all one in Christ. Now, help your humble servant this afternoon, Lord, not knowing what to say, but believing that you will supply those things, I commit myself to you with this church, that you circumcise my lips to speak the right thing, and the hearts of the people to receive it. And may the Holy Spirit take the word of God and give it to each heart as we have need, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In the 14th chapter of St. John, which is a very familiar place, that People read everywhere. Many people, that's your favorite chapter. I guess if I'd ask this afternoon, how many is that's your favorite chapter? There'd be many, many hands go up in the building. Guess how many is it? I've seen some of your age, man. Fourteen chapters of St. John, see? It's one of their favorite chapters of the Bible. It's a very consoling chapter. And I wish to read the uh, first seven or eight verses of it, and then the Lord willing, we'll speak just a little while on it. And now, I want to announce tonight is a closing night. Now, there'll be great anticipation tonight. You'll probably see more of the works of the Lord did tonight than any other night. It's always that way in the meeting. Because people, if they're going to believe, they've got to do it right now. It's got to be right now or not at all. And that's when you usually see the greatest meeting is on the last night. Now, we read from St. John 14 these verses. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again to receive you unto myself. And where I am, there ye may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And may the Lord add his blessings to those words. I want to take that last verse for a text. 
How many in here believes that God is? Let's see. How many in here would like to see God? I just like this. Well, if I can show him to you, would it make you happy? Would it make you happy? Now, God helped me to do it. Now, I was disadvantaged. Many people have asked me about the picture of the angel of the Lord. How many here never have seen it? Let's see your hand. Never have seen the picture that was taken. There's a group of you here that never have seen it. We have it, but I just didn't think of bringing them this time. Now, it was scientifically taken. In, in the, it's uh, not my picture. It's, uh, it belongs to the American Photographer Association. And we were very thankful that the Lord would come and have his picture taken with us. Is that a meeting and a discussion down? A Baptist minister said there was no such a thing as divine healing. The days of miracles has passed. And come over to, de- to debate the thing, and you know the story, how it went. And the angel came. I said, I cannot be a healer, sir, no more than you can be a savior. But I said, God never testifies of a lie. He testifies of truth. And if I testify of truth, God will testify of me. And I no more than said that. And something went, here he comes, right, coming down. And here it was right above me, like this, the angel of the Lord standing there. 30,000 people looking at him. They shot the picture of it. The association took the picture. They said, it can't be psychology. And went and looked at it, put it... Uh, uh, they asked it and tested it. The man had a heart attack. They tested the picture. They talked to George J. Lacey, the head of the FBI. He examined it for four days and declared it to be a supernatural being that struck the land. Right at the time, don't ever worry. If God sends you, you just go ahead. <laughs> God will take care of all the rest of it. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All other things will be added. You just don't have to worry. God has everything. Now, in speaking... On St. John 14, we want to look at God and see if we can see God. Now, that's been the age-old question for years, if I could only see God. Now, we're going to look at him this afternoon and see him in about, we'll have time maybe for about three or four ways to look at God, and then see if we can see God come here right in the building. All right. Let's take a, a, a God in his universe, God in his word, God in his Son, and then bring God down to his people. And see if he isn't here in his people, too. Uh, now, the first thing we want to think of is how that, that everybody has always longed to see God. Job wanted to see him one time. He said, oh, that if I only knew, in other words, where he lived at, I could go knock on his door and he'd let me in. And then God told Job, he said, uh, gird up your loins, for he's going to speak to him. And God came down in a whirlwind. And he spoke to Job. And I, I like that part there. He said, where was you when I laid the foundations yeah. of the world? <laughs> My, Job began to think he was a great guy. And you know, the, the best way to go up is, is go down. <laughs> is that right? And you hear people, it's always, uh, you know, self-bragging and so forth about our big church. You remember, uh, brother, look in a wheat field. A heavy head, a full head always bows. Is that right? A full head of wheat bows. If that stands up, it shakes around, and it's just a blister. It hasn't got nothing in it. So, so yeah, we, Job began to think that way. He was some great person. And God said, Now, where was you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where is where are the ends fastened to? Declare unto me. And he girded up his loins, and God come down and talked to him in a whirlwind. But Job's heart was hungry to see God. Oh, how he longed to see him. And that every... Being longs to see him. Not long ago, there was a fine Presbyterian preacher was speaking to me on the West Coast. He said, Reverend Branham, he said, cults like yourself, 
said, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, coming through with this year divine healing and stuff like that. said, we once was the strongest church up and down the West Coast. And said, you know what broke up our churches? I said, no. He said, what broke up our churches was this, was Christian science. Said, they come, I said, just exactly. I said, the people, every man is a supernatural being. He's hungering and thirsting for something. And if you won't give him the right thing to eat, if he's hungry, he'll eat from a garbage can. That's right. If you Presbyterians would have preached the full gospel and told him the truth, it wouldn't have been no Christian science. And now the rest of the cults, if the church just lets down, that's what does these things. We need, I ain't saying nothing against Christian science. I ain't saying nothing against nobody's church. I'm saying what we need today is a good old-fashioned gospel laid out, the whole full gospel laid out to the people. That's exactly under no auspices of this church or that church, just the gospel preached in its plain simplicity. And Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, this uh, speaking of this great patriarch, Job, how he wanted to see God, and, and I think of him a great man that he was. He was a great man. And all the princes of the East, when he would go into the city, they would bow before him like that. And then Satan said one day, I'm going to show you, I can make him curse you to your face. And how that he did everything but that. He cursed the day he was born. He said, may the stars not shine at night, nor the sun in the daytime. And, but he didn't curse God. So I see him broke out in boils, setting out on the ash heap. Oh, I just, I preached on that one time for about, about three weeks. And there's about several letters come in and says, say, Brother Branham, when are you going to get Job off the ash heap? <laughs> I kicked him on that ash heap because it was, it was the hour of his decision. That was just the time, the crucial moment. And when I sitting out there scraping his balls, and what a miserable sight, lost his children, lost his health, he lost his, his property, his camels, his everything he had was gone. And there he was sitting there, and poverty stricken. Scraping the balls with a piece of crock or something he was scraping his balls with. His wife even turned kind of against him. She comes to the door and said, Job, why, why don't you curse God and die? I said, in other words, you look so miserable. I like this. Job said, thou speakest like a foolish woman. Now, he never said she was foolish, but she spoke like one. He said, thou speakest like a foolish woman. The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, that's the way I like to say it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He had seen God. God came down in a whirlwind and talked to him, you see. And he knew God was. And I like this part, too. My. When then, then down from the east came this little prince, Elihu. We had time to get that name out, Elihu, Yahweh, so forth, which is God representative, meaning Jesus Christ. He came to Job and corrected him for what he said. He said, don't despise my youth now. But he said, you're, you're accusing God of something that's not right. So then he began to get Job straightened out. And he, he didn't accuse Job like his church members. Now he had a bunch of church members come and sat with their backs turned to him for seven days. What a consolation. Yeah. Accuse him of being a secret sinner. But Job knows he hadn't sinned. You know what's in your heart. Everybody does. And while he was sitting there with his back turned, uh, their back turned like that, Job in his misery. But this little fellow didn't try to accuse him. He didn't accuse him of being a secret sinner. But he said he tried to tell him about someone who was coming that would stand in the breach and would bridge the way. I often thought in Job 14 there that how that God's speaking to him concerning the, the flowers and everything, how the Job watched, he said, there's hope in a tree. If it dies, it'll live again. Did you ever notice? That's where my first Bible was in nature. And God does dwell in his universe, in his nature. You take you women around here, your flowers in the yard now. After a while, in about another month, 
the frost will hit the little fellows. Oh, some of them will be young, just coming up in some old and different ways. But when the frost hits it, it's gone. It bows this little head, and the petals drop off of it, the leaves drop off of it, the little seed goes out of it. Then they have a funeral procession. The skies just cry down the fall rains, and just tears drop out of the skies, and buries a little seed. Long comes the cold winter, freezes, maybe four or five inches deep, and then the little old stalk's gone, the bulb's gone, the leaf's gone, the petal's gone, and the little old seed, little black seed in there is swolled up and bursted and pulp run out. Now everything's gone. Bulb, seed, everything else is gone. But that's not the end of the flower. Just as sure as that warm sun begins to shine down, Although the pup's gone and everything else, there's a little germ of life laying there that no man has ever found and never will. That flower will live again. And if God made a way for a flower to live again, how much more has he made a way for a man to live again? Because he's made in God's image. Oh, I think it's wonderful to watch God in his universe, how he moves, moves among nature and so forth. Um, Sitting not long ago talking to an old Methodist preacher, we was having some ice cream together, and the agriculture hour come on. And I... They said, why, wow, the little 4-H club here has perfected a machine that can turn out corn so perfect that you can't tell it from the, the grain of corn that's grown in the field. Said you can reach in the sack and get a handful that's grown out, uh, out of the field and one out of this machine and mix them up. There's no way at all to tell them apart again. Take them down to the laboratory, cut them open, probably the skin would look that thick. The same amount of moisture, potash and calcium and everything. Is in every grain just the same? It'll make just as good a cornbread, make just as good a cornflakes out of either sack. The only way you can tell the difference is bury them. Both of them are rock. But the one that man made is finished. The one that God made has a germ of life in it and it lives again. I said, hold my hand, preacher, I'm going to embarrass you. <laughs> For there is a time when man, you take two men, both of them look alike, both of them act like Christians, but one of them's got a germ of life, which is the Holy Ghost. He'll rise in the resurrection, the other one will lay there. That's right. Hey, Amen. Look, you see how God passed it all around. The whole... Over in India and different things, they worship and say, when we die, we become angels and fly away. God never did make me an angel, and I never will be an angel, and neither will you. He made me a man, and I'll always be a man. I'll resurrect a man. Just exactly. But we know that God works, and we can see the perfect pattern in the, in the universe as he begins to raise things up like that. And Job looking at that and seeing that those things raised again, but he said, Man layeth down, he giveth up the ghost. He wasteth away. Yea, where is he? His sons come to mourn, and he perceiveth not. So, oh, if thou would hide me in the grave, and thou would keep me in the secret place till thy wrath be passed. And when Elihu began to get him straightened out, he began to see that there was coming one. Elihu said like this, Now, Job, I put it so the children understand. Now, Job, you're watching that flower and that tree. That flower, our tree never did sin, but man sinned. See, the tree just and grain and stuff just perpetually comes. But man sinned, and that cut off his relationship between him and God. There's no resurrection for him now. But, oh, I love it. But there is coming one, a just one, who will stand in the breach, put a hand on a sinful man and a holy God, and breathe away, and there will come the resurrection. Then Job, being a prophet, he got in the right kind of a channel, the right groove. And he seen the vision of the Lord, and he stood up on his feet, and he gave a prophecy, and the lightnings began to flash, and the thunders roared, and said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Yes, sir. My Redeemer liveth, and at the last days he'll stand up on the earth. Though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall behold and not another. Just as a grain of corn rotted and went away, and raised up again, so will I. Now watch. Uh, my Redeemer liveth. 
<laughs> Continuation. Not this live, this will die. It's a con- my Redeemer liveth, and at the last days he'll stand up on the earth. At the end of the last 2,000 years, in other words, he'll stand up on the earth. And though the skin worms destroys this body, yet my flesh shall I see God. Job was watching God in his universe. There's no man can look right in the face of a big, beautiful cow lily, unless he's bothered mentally, and say there is no God. For God lives in flowers. Don't you believe that? Tell me how that that little seed goes in the ground, the same sunshine, and here's two of them just exactly like, and one of them is white, and one of them is is red, and the other is blue, and something like that. How God does that in hollyhock and different flowers, how he makes those things. He's God. And we can see it moving, how he moves in this great universe. Tell me how this world can set up here and turn a little better than 25,000 miles an hour. It's 25,000 miles around, and it turns over 24 hours. It makes a complete circle, and you can time it with the stars and everything. It never moves out of its place at all. It stays there perfectly, yet hanging in the air. Stood on that Mount Wilson or Palmer out there in that observatory could look in that glass and see 120 million years of life space, how that moons and stars and worlds and moons and stars, and our Heavenly Father just blowed them off of the palm of his hand like that and said, let there be, and it was. Oh, I tell you, when you go talking about God and try to bottle him down to somebody's idea, he's so, there's a little Christian song we used to sing when I was a pastor, Jesus is so high, you can't get over him, so deep you can't get under him, so wide you can't get around him, so just open up your heart and let him in. When you can't get over him and under him and around him, and yet your heart will hold him. What a wonderful thought. <laughs> how wonderful he is. But God in his universe, how he governs the things, how he moves, and his motions and things, and everything obeys him. Everything. He can say to the star, do this, and it'll do it. Everything he speaks to, only one thing that won't obey him, and that's man. Man knows more about it than he does, so see, he just, he's got his own ideas, and so he won't listen to God. But if a man just open his eyes and look around, you can see God everywhere. I remember not long ago, being, when I was a little boy, I was, the first Bible I ever read was, was looking at nature. I could see how God moved and how he done things, and I knew there was a God. <clears throat> I watched, one day my daddy and I were plowing corn, and I, a storm come up, and I remember dad said, to the, well, we didn't see the storm yet, but the horses began to snort and go on. I said, dad, what's the matter? He said, son, there's a storm coming. I said, a storm coming? Just as bright as it could be, he said, you know, son, there's something strange about it. He said, but horses has an instinct that they can tell just exactly where, uh, if there's storms coming, said, Almighty God has made a way for them that they can get to safety. Well, I thought, well, that's marvelous. And then it wasn't, we didn't plow two more rounds, Harley, until the lightning was flashing and the storm coming up. Well, if God gave a horse knowledge enough how to get to safety, how much more Lord to give a church is born again, don't you think so? How God empowered that horse with instinct. Here not long ago, I was planting some butter beans. And how many knows what a groundhog is? It's a, you call it a woodchuck, I guess. It's a, down south, we call him a groundhog. A little bitty fellow. And just as fast as I'd plant them butter beans, that little fellow would eat them up. Now, I couldn't get nowhere. Now, I'd go out there, and there's a little tracks going right down where he dug them. Everyone up and went down. He lived in a... A little old sinkhole out there didn't want to shoot the little old fella, so I thought I'd just have some fun out of him. So I planted me another row of butter beans, and I thought, I'll fix you, young man. Now I got me a sack and, plant, and painted a great big ugly picture on it, and I tried to make it ugly. And brother, I'm a long ways from being an artist, I'll tell you that. I was trying to teach one night on a chart, and I drawed a picture of a dog, nobody knew what it was, and I had to write on top of it, this is a dog, so they could tell. So you imagine what this picture looked like, great big ears and everything. 
And I, I said, now I put some butter beans right in the sack and tied it on a stick and the wind is blowing. I thought, boy, when he sees that, he'll run. So I got me a ringside seat up there in the bushes and I was watching this little fellow through my glasses, you know. So the first thing you know, I hear that's binoculars. And I see he's right close to me with that, with that binoculars. So then I seen the little fellow, he come out of this sinkhole, you know, looked all around, he didn't see nobody, and right down the road, he come to this sack and he stopped, he looked at that sack, turned his little head sideways, raised up. He thought that hogly looking picture. He walked up a little closer, looked at it, and then backed off again. So then the first thing you know, the wind blew. Oh my. He turned and looked back and he looked again. He walked up to it again. He looked and thought there's butter beans behind that sack, you know. So he thought, well, say. He walked up to that sack and he smacked it with his paw and it rattled. He jumped back. He smacked it again, it rattled. Went right on around behind and started eating butter beans. Just as, well now, we ought to have as much sense as a groundhog, don't you think so? Absolutely. Let me tell you, when you see old Scarecrow standing out, remember it's their dinner bell. Right in behind the thing, lay something good. Amen. When people say they're holy rollers and they're this, that, the other, don't pay no... We have got a bunch of fanatics, but brother, right behind there lays a real kernel of God. Amen. Right there, the real power of the Holy Ghost, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. So the devil puts a lot of old Scarecrows out, but just don't pay any attention to it. I was remarked one time, I was going down the road as a... I seen a bunch of crows or blackbirds, and they were just a squawking and a going on. I thought, what's the matter? There's a man who lived down there, and he really loved birds. He had a, a wild strawberry patch, and nobody bothered. He just kept that there for the birds. He went to Florida one year, and he didn't get back in time, and some fellow wanted to pick them berries, so he put a big old scarecrow out in the field like that. Well, all these birds making it their habit of coming there every year, they come and found these, this uh, patch, and there was this big scarecrow in it. And some of them birds were sitting way up in the trees, some sitting on the telegraph wire, something set on the poles. And they were just a squawking and carrying on about this. Well, I thought, isn't that amazing Look that? But to my amazement, right out in the middle of the patch, sitting right on the arm of that scarecrow, said two great big crows just eating the belly full, just as hard as they could. I thought, well, isn't that something? I said, that's just exactly, well, I could preach a sermon on that. I said, that's right. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the good man, has prepared all good things. That's right. For his church. you believe that? And some of them stand way back off. I'll tell you now, I don't believe in no such things as that. Look what they did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Others come down on the telegraph wire. Well, I couldn't believe it, but my church wouldn't let me. And the one sitting on the side here on the post saying, well, I tell you, I believe the days of miracles is past, but there's something other to it, I believe. But brother, there's no condemnation of them. It's in the patch. I'll tell you that. They were sitting right out there on that arm just eating as hard as they could go. They know it wasn't nothing but a scarecrow. And that's the way I think about old-fashioned, holy ghost religion. Why, brother, I don't care how many fanatics there is on right or left hand. I stay right on Calvary's road just eating the powers of God as he sends them out to me and rejoicing, having a big time. Amen. Amen. Now I begin to feel religious. Now, oh, how marvelous. God working in his universe. I love to hunt. Now, some time ago, I go up here in the north woods sometime, not so much to shoot the animal, but to go up there to rest. And I noticed that up there on them lakes, the marshes up in Canada there, Brother Boy, hey, you know where I'm talking about, there's always a bunch of ducks up there. And they fly from the wintertime and, uh, and uh, uh, the, go up there in the summer, early spring, and all them marshes along there and lakes, they make their nests, they lay their eggs, and they hatch out their little ones. Now, it's an amazing thing about how God takes care of his animals. Don't you believe that? Yeah. And God gave animals way to do things. Now, if you're watching, he's in his nature, in his universe. Now, look, these are little ducks. You get up there, and these, I go sometimes early. The snow hasn't hit the top of the hills yet. But just the first morning that you wake up, and there's the snow on top of the mountain. Now, that cold wind last of September, the 1st of October, comes sweeping down through them valleys. 
You'll hear something go, a little old Drake there, he, is, he never left, he's never was off that lake in his life. He was born right there that spring, little bitty fella. He'll run around right the middle of that pond like that, or that lake, he stick that little old honker up there and go, honk, 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 honk. Every duck on the lake will come right to him. That's right. Why? They know that that duck is a leader. He's never been off the lake, but they know he's a leader. Oh, my. He'll go to honking, honk, honk. Ducks will come here, here come a bunch of them, they say, honk, honk. Here they come this way, coming this way. And it's amazing to watch them. And they'll have a little puddle out there in the middle of this lake, and that cold wind, they'll discuss the subject, I guess, about the cold wind coming down. And they'll raise right up off of that lake and go just as straight to Louisiana as they can go. And he's never been off that lake. Why? He's got a God-given instinct. God, that all the rest of the Dutch knows that that is their leader. And they have perfect confidence. If he goes this way, they go that way. If he goes this way, they go that way. And wherever he goes, they, but somehow or another he lands up in Louisiana in the rice fields, escaping all the winter. Well, if, if a duck's got sense enough to escape the cold wave, what about a church that's born again? The only thing of it is we don't know our leader. Hallelujah! Brother, God give the Holy Ghost to the church, not organization. He give the Holy Ghost to lead the church, and we've adopted organization for it. Hallelujah! The Holy Ghost wants to come and bless the people and lead them into deep rivers and the green pastures and things, but the organization won't let them do it. Holds them back. Oh, God, break down the shackles and bring out your church, is my prayer. Yes, sir. God working. Watch him in his nature and watch it just, just coincides with the, with, with the church and with the natural and with the spiritual. It's just perfect. Everywhere. That little old duck get out of there, brother, and ride on straight to Louisiana. He'll go, watch nature in any way you want to. You see God moving in. Take, for instance, a hog. You read in the newspaper say, tomorrow it's going to be pretty weather. And watch that old sow take the shucks off the north side of the hill and bring it around on the south side and make her bed. You, that newspaper don't know nothing. <laughs> it's going to be cold. She knows more about the weather than all the, the meteorologists in the country does. <laughs> Why? She's got a God-given instinct to make ready for it. But the thing of it is, she believes her instinct, but we don't believe our leading. They, God gave them instinct. He gave us the Holy Ghost. Well, that little duck would say, well, now, wait, I'll see what Joe says about it over here. He'll never get to Louisiana. Certainly not. He's got to go the way he's led. And uh, man can't lead man. The Holy Ghost leads man. The Holy Spirit's what, and it's a brotherhood. And if the real Holy Ghost is leading you, you'll know it's a brotherhood. Amen. Oh, my. I wish I was about three times my size when I get to feeling like this. Maybe I could three, feel three times as good as what I do now. You know, these little afternoons gives me a bent. I've just been, you know, when your Ephesians, what kills me off nearly, it just makes me so weak. But when I get out here, I can stand here all for a week like this. This is fine. This is taken in and that's given out. <laughs> I just get out the spout and I hold my mouth open and just let it run. <laughs> Having a good time. Now, God works in his universe. You believe that? Amen. Here some time ago I was hunting elk up in the mountains. It was real uh, early in the fall and the snow hadn't hit the top of the mountains yet. And then I was, uh, when the snow comes and the elk run down, but you have to go high, way up around the timber lines to get, get into the elk. And there I was up there walking one day. I was about, oh, I guess 35, 40 miles from any ranch or anything, way up in the top of the Rocky Mountains. And I guess I was 200 miles from any kind of a city. 
And I was walking along there with my rifle, you know, and there'll come a snow, and then the first thing you know, then it'll rain, and then it'll turn warm, the sun come out and change in weathers. And I was been up there about two days, and I know the elk herd was in there, so I was just walking along through there, sleeping out at night. And one day come a rain, and I got in behind the tree like this, and the rain just a blowed and poured down through there, and then if the rain kind of let up, why, why it comes to, to breaking off, and it's cold up there, that high on the mountain, and I have to look in the evergreens that froze, them big icicles like hanging all over the, the evergreens. It froze up where the wind's cold and the waters are falling. It froze the, the ice into the to the evergreen. And I looked and the sun was setting over in the west, peeping through that crevice of the mountains like that. I thought, oh, great Jehovah, his eyes on the sparrow. <laughs> How he stands in the heavens and his eyes look out. He sees every move. Not a sparrow could touch the ground. Without you see God in his sunset. Can't you see him that way? Think of him in the sunset or sunrise. Then I happen to look and where the sun shining against this water and stuff made a rainbow across the the, the canyon there. And I looked at that rainbow and I said, oh, glory to God. I just love to look at God in his nature, don't you? And I said, looky there. You gave Noah the rainbow sign. Before that time, water had never come this way, so the waters, the elements couldn't make that colors. And now you gave him the rainbow sign that you would never destroy the world no more by water. And I said, then I had to think again that when John on the Isle of Patmos turned around and seen this... Um, Seen Jesus sitting there to look up on as a rainbow, his uh, Sardis and Jasper stone, which was the Reuben and Benjamin, the first, the last, he which is and which is shall come, root and offspring of David, the morning star, and over him was a rainbow with these seven golden candlesticks, meaning that he had a covenant for the seven last church ages. Then the deep began to call to the deep. Oh, down in my heart, I could... I said, God, here I am way up here, supposed to be hunting. And I got real happy. And I set down my gun and around and around the tree. I went just as shouting as hard as I could. Somebody come up there, they'd have put me in the institution for insanity. Oh, I was having a glorious time. I started to pick, I started to pick up my gun and go on. And I happened to think, oh, great Jehovah who made all these things. About that time I heard the elk herd. They'd been scattered in the storm. Begin a bugling one to the other. Then way up on top of the hill, an old gray wolf got to howling. The mate answered down in the bottom. My mother's a half Indian, and just enough about it to make the deep go to call into the deep. I started screaming, top my voice, set my gun down around, 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 until you went again. I didn't care who was listening at me. I was shouting and praising God. Hallelujah. They'd say crazy if you wanted to. It didn't make me no difference. I got my eyes on Calvary. Amen. I loved him. I worshiped him. I seen him out there. I said, God, there you are in the sunset. Here you are in the rainbow. There you are in the wolf. Here you are over here in the elf. Here, oh, where are you, Lord? And here you are in my heart. <laughs> I said, glory to God. Around, 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 around the tree. I went again. Oh, I was just having a big time. Just a kicking up the brush and everything else. I stopped and I said, oh, hallelujah, Lord. I love you. I love you. Why would I ever have to leave a place like this? So wonderful. I heard something making a move going, check, 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 Little old pine squirrel. We call him the mountain jacks. You know, about like that little old red squirrel. Noisiest thing there is, nothing to him. Just puts in mind a lot of these guys that make a lot of noise. And <laughs> nothing to it. He's looking at me like that going, check, 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 check. He's like, he's going to tear me to pieces. <laughs> my, my. You just got a lot of noise and that's all there is. And I thought he was barking at me. But I happened to find out down in the storm coming through, a great big eagle had been forced down and he was uh, down under this uh, blowdown here. 
And I seen him coming out, and I thought, well, now, here, Lord, what'd you place that before me for? Right when I'm shouting and having a great time here? I thought, what, what's this eagle doing here? Well, what, if you look anywhere, you can see God. You can just see him anywhere. And I, I thought, now, what's godly about that eagle? Because he's a scavenger, and oh, he's a bad guy. Now, I thought, well, what, what godly would be about that thing? And the first thing you know, he moved out, jumped up on the limb like that, and looked over at that little squirrel sitting there just like he's going to tear him to pieces. He looked back over to me, and I thought, well... Now, it is a position. Now, Lord, where are you at in that, that scene? Everywhere you look, you can see God. Now, I thought, there's a little old pine squirrel that runs all the game out of the woods. And he's no good. And here sits a little old, a big old eagle here, who if you kill a deer and leave him lay there, the eagle eat him up overnight if you could. And well, he's just as mean as he can be. I thought, where could you be in this scene? I said, you're everywhere, old. Now, where could I see why God put that scene before me? And I looked again, and I happened to notice that eagle had bravery. It wasn't scared. No matter what I do or what anything, it was brave. And I thought, that's it, God? You don't want cowards. God wants men and women who's got a backbone instead of a wishbone. When God says anything, we believe it. That's all that settles it. If God said so, that makes it true. Is that right? That makes it true. All right. And I said, there you are, Lord. You want somebody that'll really know what they're talking about and is ready to stand for what's true. A lot of people say, I accept my healing. I believe Jesus healed, all right. And the first little cramp hits you, you're ready to give up. Oh, my. And you go and say, I believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost and shout and dance in the church. And when you come to meet some critic out there on the street, you're as silent as a church mouse. That's right. Oh, brother, don't hold your peace. Scream out. Amen. It takes your head. Be like John the Baptist. That's right. Stand for what's true. And there I looked at that old eagle. I thought, what makes you so brave? I said, you know I could shoot you if I wanted to? And he was that great big gray looking eyes looked over at me. He wasn't scared of me. And I thought, I'm sure you're not scared of that squirrel. And uh, I thought, oh, I said, I grabbed my rifle. I said, I could shoot you. I noticed him. He jumped and looked at me again. But I thought, well, what makes him so brave? How is that fellow so brave? I don't understand that. But I happened to notice, here's what was making him brave. I seen him moving his wings like this. Feeling his wings to see if his wings was in good condition. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Amen. Someone said not long ago, Brother Brown, aren't you afraid on that platform that you'll make a mistake and tell somebody the wrong thing? Oh, no. Not as long as I can feel him with me. <laughs> that's right. As long as he's there, everything's okay. That's, that's all right. As long as he's there, the boat's in control. Now, watch him moving his wings. Now, I thought, oh, say, he'd look up all the time. Look and see how far that timber line was up there in that timber. He knew if he ever got in that timber, I'd never see him under the sights of that rifle. So he's sitting there looking at me, just having a big time. <laughs> he looked at me, and then he looked over at that squirrel. He looked at me like that, and I said, I said, well, if this is amazing, and after a while he got tired of that little old churn of the pine squirrel, so he just gave one big bounce like that, flopped his wings about twice, and he's plumbed through that timber. He never flopped his wings one more time. He just set his wings. And he knew how to ride them airwaves that was coming down. Boy, he just went up. Every time, he didn't flop, 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 trying to get up. He just set his wings right and rode right on all those waves and went on, 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 till I couldn't even see a spot of him no more. He went plumb out of sight, leaving this little earthbound chatter, 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 chatter. That I thought, hallelujah! I dropped my rifle around, 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 around the tree and went again. I thought, that's it, Lord! That's it! Let me know how to set my wings in the power of God. And every time the Holy Ghost rides, then let me ride up with it. Hallelujah! 
Doug, oh, pull out of the way of these people sitting here chatter, chatter, chatter. These are miracles in the past. That's a bunch of horn horse. Ain't no such a thing as that. Holy Ghost for a long time. Oh, my. Right away on it. Hallelujah. Boy. Every one of you eagles has got two big wings to fly away with if you want to. Amen. You're afraid to use your wings. That gives them exercise when you have to use them once in a while and lift up. I was watching an S7 one day. I was sitting up on a mountain watching. I seen an old mother eagle let out a scream. She'd come out of the nest with a whole bunch of little eagles. They put their little beaks right down into the wings of the mother like that. And she'd come down out of the old nest. And when they jumped off the wings, it was the first time the little fellow's ever been on grass. Oh, it was so nice. And oh, they was having a big time. The old mother went right straight back up and sat on top of the biggest rock there was. I sat there in my glasses. I was herding cattle, what I was doing up there in Colorado. And I was watching, you know, see what this old mother eagle was doing. And she sat up there with them eyes, you know. Watching, see if a coyote would come up. I thought, how typical it is, your God in His nature. Them little old eagles have never been out of that old puke, excuse me, that old nest like that, you know, where they vomit in their nest and everything else, and bringing old meat that rots in the nest and everything, and on old briars and stickers, their poor little feet walking on that. And then the old mother eagle comes and gets them, calls her her children, takes them down into the pastures where the grass is soft on their feet. I thought that's the way God does when we're out there at old bootleg joints and up and down the streets living in sin and the, uh, the vomit of the devil and the stink of whiskey and tobacco and everything else. And then our Lord Jesus one day stretched out the wings of Calvary, brought us down into the shady green pastures. Glory! Then when he did that, he did like the old mother eagle. He flew up down to the ramparts of glory, sitting up there watching over his church. Amen. <laughs> Let a coyote come up if you want to. That old mammy eagle be on his back right now and he'd be hitting for timber. And I'll tell you, our Lord Jesus Christ sits in the power of his majesty and glory, watching over his church to confirm his word wherever he can find a believer that will act upon his word and believe it. Them little eagles didn't care about nothing. You see them raise up their little head and look up there. They see mammy. That's all that's necessary. Hallelujah. Sure, God's in His nature. Do you believe it? He's in His universe. As long as I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving down, I know God's still sitting at the ramparts of glory, watching His Word to perform it. you believe that? And confirm it. There He was. I happened to notice that after a while, they come a northerner. A little strip of wind come this way. She could smell that wind. Know there was rain in the air. And she let out a great big scream, and down through there she went right down into the middle of this pasture. She threw out her wings like that. Every one of them little eagles coming through every horse just as hard as they could. Jumped, grabbed their feet a hold of feathers, tucked their mouth a hold like that. She raised those big wings. Hallelujah. Oh, on up to that, that wind sweeping down that canyon at 60 miles an hour by that time. She went right straight on into the cliff of that rock to safety. One of these glorious days while these little eagles carefree in the power of God. Hallelujah. Feeding up on the good things of God. Marvelously. And one of these days, Jesus will let a scream from the skies coming down when danger and atomic bombs are about to drop around Chicago. He'll spread out those great loving wings like that and away to the storms we'll go. Hallelujah. Into my Father's house where there is many mansions prepared, ready for the redeemed. Hallelujah. Brother, I feel like a holy roller right now. Yes, sir. I really do. Amen. How God works in His universe. How He works in His nature. Not long ago, I was holding a meeting, well, just before I come out these healing campaigns. As a Baptist preacher, all of you know that. All right. I was at the Milltown Baptist Church. Brother Ryan, we've been down there many times together. I was staying up there at Brother, old Brother Wright's. And every night, I'd go up and i come in. There's an old nightingale used to sit there. 
That fellow would sing all night long. You know what a nightingale is? And oh, they just sing, 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 sing. Our field up there where we, where we live now is just full of them. I just raised the window along two o'clock in the morning and just listened to them fellows sing. And I thought, what makes him? I noticed on a cloudy night he'd quit singing for a little bit. Then he would sing again. So I went to study the nature of those birds. And come to find out, here's what they do. They sit in the bush, they're looking around, and just as soon as they can see a star, they start singing just as hard as they can. For they know what? The sun is shining somewhere. The sun is shining on that star, as sure as that star is shining. The sun is shining somewhere, so it's going to be daylight again. And I think, oh God, let me, sometimes when the pillows of darkness are rolling over, sometimes when the revival seems that they all want to be formal and ungodly, but once in a while I hear a good old-fashioned, Amen! Glory to God. I say, glory to God, the sun's shining somewhere. It's a beaming down somewhere. If I could go out tonight and look over there at the big morning star, the evening star hanging out, I'd say, what makes you shine, star? He'd say, Brother Branham, it ain't me shining. I go, what makes you so pretty? It isn't me pretty. Well, what are you shining about? It's not me shining. Well, what's shining? It's the sun shining on me. That's what's making me shine. Not long ago, I was talking to a doctor. He said, Reverend Branham, those Holy Ghost people you're talking about, that's only excitement. It's only worked up. Brother, you know what I believe it is? I believe it ain't them shining. It's the power of God shining on them, making them shine. Hallelujah. When God shines His power and divine healing and blessings and glories, you can't hold your peace. Jesus said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. I laid down an old spring where I used to drink. Lay down there and just drink and drink and drink. I know that's the happiest spring I've ever seen. It's always bubble, 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 bubble. That's like a good old-fashioned Christian. <laughs> always bubbling over. Whether things going right or not, just going just the same, bubbling over. God works in His nature in the ground, too. Do you believe that? Yeah. If I sat down and talked that spring, I said, What makes you bubble? What makes you so happy? He said, Brother Bram, it ain't me bubbling. I said, Well, maybe it's you bubble just because it, and I drink from you. No. You bubble because deers drink or bears drink. No. I said, what makes you bubble? He said, Brother Bram, it ain't me bubbling. It's something behind me pushing me, making me bubble. And that's why every man is born to get in the Spirit of God. There's something behind you pushing you and making you bubble. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. That's right. It makes you bubble, 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 bubble. Everlasting joy springing up. He said the woman at the well, in me is living waters. Hallelujah. I'll give you living waters rubbing up in the everlasting life. A whole glacier, brother, once she burst open, she just keeps spewing. <laughs> just take the cap off and let her run. <laughs> Amen. God is in his universe. You believe that? Sure he is. God is in his universe. We had a little boy live down to our place, and there he went to a very formal Sunday school and down by the Ohio River. And as many of you fellows sitting here, boatmen, knows what joy it is to be on water. And then the, this little fellow got all enthused one day. He said, Mother, if God is such a great person, can anybody see him? Why, she said, Sonny, I don't know. Ask your Sunday school teacher. So he went and asked his said, Teacher, uh, can God, anybody see God? She said, Well, I, I don't know. You asked the pastor. So he went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, can anybody see God? He said, No, son. No one can see God. Of course not. We just believe there is, and no one can see Him. Poor little fellow said, well, if He's so real, as the Bible says He is, why can't somebody see Him? He said, well, you just can't see Him, son. He's, he's not to be seen. 
So, well, he went fishing with an old fisherman down the river. An old fellow had a white beard like this and long hair. An old fellow down the river. So one day he was up around Six Mile Island, and it come a storm. Coming back down, the old fisherman was a very renowned Christian. He was coming down, pulling the boat oars like this, you know, and that oars clipping the water, you know, as a music to any boatman. And he's pulling like this. And after the rain it went away, well, all the leaves was washed off and everything is so clean, fresh smelling. And you look, the sun come out, and there's a rainbow across the sky. The old fellow's looking at the rainbow. He'd pull his oars a clip. <laughs> pull his oars a clip. He's watching that rainbow. The little boy sitting in the stern of the boat, beginning to notice tears running off his white beard. He's looking at that rainbow and pulling. The little fellow kept looking at the old man. He ran up there and fell down and said, Sir, I'm going to ask you a question that my teacher couldn't answer, my mother couldn't answer, my pastor couldn't answer. Said he, Can anybody see God? Well, the old fellow's heart's so full, you know, he pulled the oars into his lap, threw his hands up like this, and let out a big scream, put his arms around the little boy, and pulled him up in his bosom, said, God bless your heart, sonny. Don't you see him yonder? What's that all I've seen for 35 years has been God. Why, there's so much God on the inside here, God could see Seth out yonder. He was reflecting. Is that right? When you get God in here, the day that you get saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit, the birds will sing different. All the whole universe will look different. All oh, the trees will just clap their hands and everything. Mine, that old enemy that you used to not like at all, they'll be the most beautiful person. You'll walk up and say, how did you do there? How are you getting on that neighbor you wouldn't speak to? Them old tar tools you stole and that everything else. You take it all back and say, you know, I'm so sorry I did that. Will you forgive me for it? That's what it does to you. You'll see God in his universe as certain as anything if you'll go to looking around for him. you believe that's true? Some time ago, there was an infidel across the country, oh, I guess 50 years ago, and he was converting people from Christianity to infidelism. And when his mother was dying, the only thing that he could say, Ma, grin and bear it. Oh, what a consolation to give a mother in her death hours. So he went over to England. He had a lot of converts there. No preacher would attack him. No, sir. Because he was smart and shrewd. He just cut him down like this. Because most of the preachers, he stood right, a friend of mine who stood and even shook his uh, whole foundation. When he stood there with a bottle of sulfuric acid and right down in Memphis, Tennessee, and had that bottle of sulfuric acid, he said, Any of you people here that's supposed to be Christians, Mark 16 said, They shall drink daily things and will not harm them. Said, That's what Mark said. Said, Now, if that's the inspired word of God, drink this sulfuric acid. And some of them said, Why, they said, Why, you, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And he said, oh, so I shall not tempt him to ask him anything either. So maybe he can't be disturbed. And making fun of him like that. And one thing happened there, I'll have to tell this too. Well, right at it if I can. There's a big old country boy sitting back there with hair hanging down his neck, overall jacket on. He just come walking up, the teeth out, ear in front, you know, and the hair hanging down his face. He walked right up towards the platform, reached down his overall pocket and pulled out a big apple and began to peel it with a knife. And the infidel said, well, said, Sap, what do you want? <laughs> and I just want to ask you something. <laughs> Just kept on peeling on his apple. He said, Well, tell me what you want, and I'll have you throw it out of here. I said, Just a minute, give me my time. So he peeled the apple and cored it, got it ready, put it in his mouth, began chewing all I can. Said, I want to ask you a question. He said, What is it? He said, Is this apple sweet or sour? He said, How do I know I'm not eating it? So that's what I thought. <laughs> How do you know that God ain't real until you tasted him? Fill him. Hallelujah. How do you know divine healing's not right that you put it to a test one time? How do you know the Holy Ghost is not right? You run around with your ecclesiastical jacket on, trying to explain all the divine part of the Bible out and taking a bunch of theology. How do you know about God if you've never even tasted to see that He's right or not? Be sincere. Be humble before Him. That's right. And Dr. Davis standing there, 
an old Memphis bishop was sitting there with this young preacher, the young Roy Davis, he was sitting there with this bishop, that infidel said, any of you guys, and some of the ministers saying, Mark 16 from the ninth verse on is not inspired. It isn't inspired, so you can't depend on it. He said, well, then I'll say, well, they're coming to me all your labor and heavy laden, Matthew 11, 27, said, I'll say, that's not inspired. So he had him on a spot. Roy said, the Holy Ghost began to move on him. They stand up there. So he said to the old bishop, he said, if that infidel makes that challenge one more time, if I die in my shoes, I'll go to heaven believing God's word. So he said, now listen, sit down, let him just, he's just popping his own brain, let him alone. So it's the Holy Spirit moving. So when he made that challenge again, a big ha-ha in hell, he's watching up there, he said, God, I'll die in a minute. Waiting for a minute, he said, didn't I tell you there wasn't such a thing? Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Like that. Last out like that. So Roy, when he made that challenge, said, what are some of you guys out there believe that God's so real? So try this sulfuric acid test. Now, I'm not telling people to do that. Don't you do it. That's the Holy Ghost is with you, see. Now, I don't believe in taking up serpents. I believe if I was baptizing out in the water and a serpent grabbed me, I'd throw him out on the bank and go ahead and baptize, like Paul did, or something like that. If somebody sick poison to me, I'd trust God for my healing. That's right. But I don't believe in bringing things say, come here and I'll show you how I can do it. I think that's wrong. That's right. But Brother Davis walked up to the platform. We got a notary public statement on this. He walked up there. He said, Christian people, about two or three thousand sitting there. He said, I'm 25 years old. He said, I'm a minister of the gospel. He said, I, I know that my God is able to deliver me from that. But said, nevertheless, if he does or does not, I'll never let that infidel stand there with that in his hand and challenge God's word. He said, I'll meet you in glory. Grabbed it out of his hand, even infidel, and drank every drop of it right down. Stood there and preached the gospel. And about 1,500 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost sitting in the meeting. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Now, that same infidel at you coming back, he wanted to take a rest, and he went out here in the western Colorado, and he had a camp out there, and he's walking down along the path there one day, and he began walking along. He kind of felt kind of bad, his health was breaking on him, and he had to look up there, and the wind is blowing, them great big rocks hanging in the mountains. He said, wonder if I've been wrong. He got out, and he said, oh, everywhere you are, who you are, said, look at those rocks hanging there. Have I been wrong? Has the water washed him away like that, or did God place him there like that? What was it? God speaking in his universe. If they hold their peace, the preachers, the rocks will immediately cry out. That infidel fell on his knees and gave his heart to God because the rocks was a crying out. How a God speaking out of Mother Nature to him. Hallelujah. God is in his universe. Do you believe it? Oh, my, I could stay on that another hour. Let's just stop a minute. God in his universe, I'll hurry as these others right quick. God in his word. You believe God is in his word? Every seed of God, every word of God is a seed. You believe that? Now, it's just like a, a seed you planted. If it's wheat, it'll come up wheat. And every word of God is every divine promise of God will come to pass exactly if you'll put it in the right kind of a ground and let it grow. Do you believe that? Place it there and say, Lord... By his stripes I was healed. I am healed. I accepted the heart and I'll never say nothing else. I tell you, brother, that spits the dust in the devil's face right there. For it's thus saith the Lord. I stay right there, live or die, I stay right there. That's my conviction, that's my stand. There's where I, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other grounds is thinking sins. Stay right with it. Yes, indeed. It'll produce this, Lord said. 
Just like a little, here a lot of you people around up in here have a lot of notice out here fruit orchards where you raise a lot of apples. You take a little apple tree when it's just about that big, just a little bitty sprout. Did you know every bushel of apples, every apple, every blossom, every leaf that'll ever be on that tree is on it right then? Do you know that? You know, you might gather 200 bushel of apples off of that tree, and every one of them is in that little tree when it's that big. If it isn't, where does it come from? Tell me who puts them on there. It's in the tree when it begins. And that's just what you have to do with the tree. You take the tree, and you plant it in the ground, and then you have to water it. And as you water it, it doesn't do nothing but drink, drink, drink. It has to drink more in this potion. And more it drinks, the bigger it swells out. It just pushes out limbs. Then it pushes out leaves. Then it pushes out blossoms. Then it pushes out apples. Is that right? And that's the way a Christian is. We are planted together in Christ Jesus, who is the inexhaustible fountain of life. We are planted in Christ, and we just drink and drink and drink and push out. And everything we have need of for the earthly journey, divine healing, the power of God, and all these other things, is in every individual in here that's received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, for you are planted in Christ. Hallelujah! Now, Holy Ghost baptism. Yes, sir, everything you have need of for this life's journey, even the rapture is right in you then. Don't resist that. That's the truth. The rapture is in us now. I'll prove it by the gospel. Those who he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he hath glorified. Hallelujah! Then in heaven today we're glorified in the presence of God right now. I'm just pushing out to it. <laughs> Glory! God's in His Word. You believe it? All right. Got to hurry now. Many things we just say there, but God is in His Word. Every Word of God is a seed. You get it? And you just have to hold on to it. Now many people look at their symptoms. They say, oh, Brother Branham, my hand is no better. I still have this pain. I don't have nothing to do with it. It's what mental attitude you got towards God and His promise. You know, a fellow that had a case of symptoms was Jonah. He really had symptoms. Did you know that? God told him to go down to Nineveh. And he went down to Tarsha, took an easy road. That's the way of a lot of Christians today, trying to take the easy road. He said, you go down to Nineveh. And, he, and cry out. Instead of that, he went to Tarsha. Then he was backslid. There come a, a storm on the ocean. And they bound his hands and his feet and throwed him out of the ship. A big whale swallowed him. And anybody knows that after a whale eats or any other fish, he goes right to the bottom of the... Feed your goldfish and watch what they do. Go right straight to the bottom and rest their little swimmers on the bottom. They prowl through the water till they find their food. Then they go down and rest. See? Well, now look here. Let's see. There's a stormy ocean. And a backslidden preacher... And he's got his hands tied behind him, his feet tied behind him, throwed out in a storm. A, sw a whale swallows him and goes down to the bottom of the sea to rest. And there this preacher down there backslid in that condition. There's nobody in the building that bad today. And there he was down there backslid, hands tied behind him, several miles deep in the ocean, in the belly of a whale. Seaweeds wrapped around his neck, vomit knee deep. And he began to look this way, it was whale's belly. Look that way, it was whale's belly. Everywhere he looked, it was whale's belly. Talk about a case of symptoms, he had it. <laughs> That's right. Everywhere he looked, it was whale's belly. His hands were tied behind him, he was backslid. In the belly of a whale, plumbing the bottom of the sea. Whale's belly. 
whale's belly. Why, brother, there's nobody here like that today. But what did he say? He looked at that whale's belly, all them symptoms, and he said, they are lying vanities. Yes, sir. He said, once more will I look to your holy temple, O Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, once more will I look, not at these whales, belly, not at my backslidden condition, not my hands tied behind me, not where I'm at, not at the stormy sea. I'll look to your holy temple, Lord. When Solomon dedicated that temple and the pillar of fire come in and went behind the, the thing and settled down, look what Solomon said. He said, Lord, if your people be in trouble anywhere and look towards this holy place and pray, then hear from heaven and deliver your people. And Jonah believed God heard Solomon's prayer. So he wasn't looking at his symptoms. He wasn't looking at a whale's belly. He wasn't looking at his backslidden condition. He was looking to God's promise. Solomon's prayer. And if Jonah, under those conditions, with that kind of symptoms, could look to an earthly temple where an earthly man prayed, how much more ought a Christian to do when Jesus Christ died for you, taking his own blood and sitting at the right hand of the God of the day, making intercessions on anything you can pass ah, Get away, symptoms! You're lying vanities! I won't believe you anymore. Jesus Christ healed me when he died at Calvary. Hallelujah! You tell me I have cheap smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey, you're a liar! I refuse to sit. I'll look to your holy temple, Lord. Where Jesus, the Son of God, stands at the right hand of power, making intercessions for me. Oh my! I'm really a holy roller now. Brother, let me tell you something. I've sailed the seven seas and I've never seen a holy roller yet. That's a name that devil tacked on the church. But if he wanted me to do it, I'd sure do some rolling if it was as holy. <laughs> yes, sir. God in his word. Do you believe it? God in his universe. God in his word. Now, right quick, let's get God in his son. You believe God was in his son? He was. He was more than a man. I taught you that yesterday. He was more than a man. He was God. God is like, like that's one thing more than purged in the, in the Reformation. See? This not, these not people say that the Jews try to tell us there's some Jews sitting here. That's the biggest, the biggest stumbling block the Jews ever had. Because we don't make it clear to the Jew. They think that we believe there is three absolutely individual gods. That's a lie. There's only one God. Absolutely one God. There's three dispensations, the three manifestations, but the same God every time. It's like a three-foot rule. You got 12 inches here. You got uh, 24 inches here. You got 36 inches here, but it's the same rule. God the Father was revealing Himself, unfolding Himself, trying to get to man. God the Father was made manifest in a pillar of fire that hung on the mountain. Even Moses dreaded quakes. Is that right? If any, even a beast come near the mountain, had to be thrust through the dark. Is that right? Then the same God was manifested in flesh and dwelt among us in a virgin-born body in order to take away sin. Do you believe that? That was God the Son. you believe that? The same God. My Father and I are one. My Father dwells in me. It's not me to do the works. It's my Father. That was Jesus talking about his Father. The same God revealed down here in a body of flesh who hung in a pillar of fire. The pillar of fire was talking to Moses in the burning bush. He said, tell him all generations that I am, that I am. And Jesus stood at the feast and said, I am the I am. Sure. The same God. This is 12 inches, from 12 to 24 inches being unfolded. Now, then the next time he revealed himself, first in the pillar of fire, then in the virgin born body, his son, and now he's working his way down to mankind. 
And now he's revealing himself in sinful man that's been regenerated again, living in an entire church. If that day you'll know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you, and you in me, oh my. You see, God in his people. Hallelujah. Moving on. Sure, God is right with the people. He unfolded himself from a supernatural being down into a virgin-born body to take away sin. When we come from God, went back to God, a little while in the world seeth me no more, yet you shall see me, for I'll be with you. I is a personal pronoun. I will be with you even in you to the end of the world. See how God brings his holy path? He couldn't come right down and jump into sin. God had to purge that path. In order to do it, he was a pillar of fire. Then there's a virgin-born son that's taken away the sin out of the human body. And then after that, God himself could dwell right among his people. See what I mean? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You believe that? When he was on earth, he said he was God. He looked like God. He talked like God. He preached like God. Hallelujah. He healed like God. He rose like God. He ascended like God. Hallelujah. And he was God. Hallelujah. God in the flesh. God was in his Son manifesting himself to his people. Oh, how many times we could, how much we could go to that and see what it was. See, but I believe you understand what I mean. See, it's God unfolding himself. He came out of nature, coming down into the flesh in his Son. God come in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the Logos, that went out in the beginning. How back in the beginning no one could see God. Then the Logos came out. Then God manifests himself down in man. Man sin. Then God come down, reveal himself in flesh, take away sin, return back, come back again to live in people and talk to him like he did to Adam and Eve. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. Now, my parents and my both before me were Catholic. But brother, you see there's not much Catholic left in me as a triune being. That's right. Yes, sir, they believe in the eternal sonship of the three actual individual being God the Father, an old man with long white beard, God the Son, a middle-aged man, the Holy Ghost is a mascot boy. <laughs> like, there's no such thing. There's only one God. I disagree with the organization of Pentecost that calls the one just like the fingers one. That's wrong. Absolutely it's wrong. God, Jesus couldn't have been his own father. And if God is a man, then Jesus was born sexual desire and not virgin birth. That settles the whole thing, <laughs> you see? If he's one like your fingers, one, then why? Then he was his own daddy. How could he have been? That's wrong. He had a father. Jesus did. You just can't see the manifestation of God unfolding himself, a loving father, coming right down from the heavens, unfolding himself, coming down to live among human beings here on earth. There you are. God was in his son, and now I've unfolded you also. God is in his people. Do you believe that? Then when God, that same God that lived back under in the days when the, uh, Moses seen the pillar of fire, was that right? How many believe that was the angel of the covenant? Say amen. Well, the angel of the covenant was Jesus Christ. Moses has seen the, the riches of Christ, greater treasures than that of Egypt. And he forsook Egypt following Jesus Christ. He followed Christ in the wilderness, which was the old gods. All right. Now, then here comes down the next is the sonship. Then the Holy Spirit, that's the reason Matthew said, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Sure, it's the same God moving right down through these three dispensations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three different individual beings, but one being in three different manifestations. Hallelujah! Glory! <laughs> Brother, I tell you that, it punches the devil in the ribs every day and makes him squeal like a pig. That's right, because it's the power of God being revealed in these last days. Somebody said today, said, Brother Bram, you can't explain the Trinity. Then just go down and get yourself an insane institution and crawl in. I said, no, sir. I cannot explain it. But the heavenly God who dwells here 
know all things and would reveal it to us as we have need to know. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. I know it's so. It dovetails right in with the Scripture and makes it plain. God is in His Son. God is in His people. Then look what He done back under. Look what He done in the days of His Sonship. Now look what He's doing here in the Holy Ghost dispensation. How He's raised up and among the people. He's showing the same signs and wonders. Quickening the dead. Is that right? Raising the dead that physically died, raising it back to life again. Read the little book there and get your statements. I've seen three of it in my own humble ministry. The doctors have laid him out dead and gone, passed on. And by a vision, God would show him here they come right back around and live in the day. Right now, ask and see if that's right. Manifest itself. Jesus Christ only raised three in his entire life. To show that a witness of three is to be established. Is that right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Then God is living in his people today because back there when Jesus came into Jerusalem, there was a great joy in the people beginning to holler, Hosanna, Hosanna, to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the old priests and Pharisees and all said, Make them hold their peace. They make me nervous. <laughs> I was preaching here not long ago and this little woman is screaming and shouting top of her voice. And there was a man that's a Sunday school teacher in a Baptist church in, in Jeffersonville said, Billy, I was enjoying your service so that woman got to screaming and crying. <laughs> He said, how in the world can you preach when people are hollering like that? I said, I can't preach unless they do holler like that. <laughs> I don't know where I'm standing. I don't know how they're receiving it. I used to have an old dog. We used to hunt with him. We called him Fritz. He would take anything, tree anything in the world but a skunk. He just, he wouldn't go into him. He'd tree him in a brush pile and he'd go keep going around the brush pile barking. And the only thing I had to do to get him to go and get that skunk, we just raise up the brush pile and pat him and say, him, boy, sick him, boy. He'd go in and get the skunk. Now, brother, every time I hear an amen, is sick him, boy, and the biggest skunk I know of is the devil. Let's get him up a bush right now and go get him. Hallelujah. That's right. Yes, indeed. Sick him, boy. Oh, he said, Brother Branham, when that woman began to cry, said it made chills run up and down my back. I said, my brother, if you'd ever be fortunate enough to get to heaven, you'd freeze to death because they're shouting and screaming before the throne of God. Day and night, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship it in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Then God the Father in His universe, God in His Son, God in His Word, and now God's in His people. Hallelujah! That quickening immortal life that pulls you out of that bootleg joint, pulls you off a skid row. That thing that stuck you and made a lady out of you. That thing that's kept you from smoking and drinking and carrying through your life. That's God in His people. That thing that when the Holy Ghost takes the Word of God and sprays it over the people like that with His power, that heart of yours grasps it. What is it? It's God and His people. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah! You say you're excited. No, I'm not. I know where I am. I'm not excited. Well, brother, if I'm excited, let me stay excited. I want to stay this way till I die. Hallelujah! I get more out of life staying this way. Why, why, God is in His people manifesting Himself in the flesh of mortal beings who's born again. Do you believe it? You believe God is in His universe? You see Him in the sunlight? See Him in the tree? In the flower? In His Word? In His Son? In His people? And here's God right here. Amen. Knowing the thoughts of man, discerning the thoughts, healing the sick, making the blind to see the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. Only thing that is limited to God is our faith. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Uh, uh, God just turned a spout off. I'm having an awful time up here. Just uh, having a glorious time. 
I just look like there's no way into it, and that clock's just rolling right on around. I love him. I love street down there, he'll be talking to you. When that little bird sets up there and throws his head up in the air and goes to singing this afternoon as the sun's setting, he's happy. Not long ago, I was sitting on the porch. Some old sand cranes was flying down, going into their roost. Wife and I were sitting there. I was so tired. I'd come from a meeting. I started crying. There's a lady walked up on the porch and gave me a little sign said, picture of a ship out on the sea and the sun was setting. It had a poem, Sunset and Evening Star. One clear call for me. May there be no morning at the bar when I put out the sea. Oh, God. My heart started beating fast. Some little robins flew up in a tree. God had fed them all day long. They were coming home and getting night. The same cranes is going down together with their loved ones on the riverbank to stay all night. And I said, honey, she put her arm around me. She said, Bill, you're so tired. Look like you could just faint. I said, but someday the sun will be setting on my brow. Right. My life's sun will be sinking low. Right. I'll preach my last sermon some of these days. Right. Then when the sun goes to setting, I know he's got a place for me. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to gather with him over yonder with all of you, the rest of you. Softly now, let's sing, I love you. Is there a sinner in the building? Raise up your hand or stand up and walk up here and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. we have our heads bowed. Let's hum this. Thank you, Christians. Thank you, Sam and Woman. The angel of the Lord is now. Make your decision to enter into Christ, will you? The end of the Holy Ghost. Don't go out without Don't be given to his servant. Don't go Stay right here. It takes a week. Get the Holy Ghost right now. Someday, we're going to be the sun going to be setting. While you got your heads bowed, your hearts bowed too, we're going to ask Brother Jose to lead us in prayer just now while you have your heads bowed. All right, Brother Jose.